Hello, welcome to the Sound Pub podcast. This is the third episode of the series, and the purpose of this podcast is to bring hip hop, metal, and punk fans together, highlight classics and hidden gems in the genre, bring to front new and underground artists, expand music tastes, and provide a nice bit of escapism. If that's something you're interested in, tune in now. Hello, this is the Sound Pub Podcast with the purpose of, as you've heard, bringing hip-hop, metal and punk fans together, highlighting classics and gems of the genres, bringing to the front new and underground artists, as well as expanding music tastes and also providing a nice bit of escapism during these times. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about the two albums, as per usual, uh, which is Power in Numbers by Jurassic 5, at least in 2002, with, which is a subconscious hip-hop album, and then we're going to go into talking about No Control, a early punk record from 1989 uh, in the Americas. But first, we're going to obviously open with the first band I mentioned, which is Jurassic 5. Now, I'll give you a bit of a background of the uh, sort of scene. Is, uh, sort of, they were part of the new sort of underground hip-hop scene in the 90s, along with uh, groups like Company Flow, which you may remember is sort of like the... Tri- uh, I believe it's Talib Kweli's sort of area with Moz Def, Dr. Octagon, and it's a combination of uh, six rappers, really. Seven, Charlie, tu- Charlie Tuna, Zakia, and Akali. Uh, plus producers Cook Chemist and DJ Newmark. The two people <coughs> in terms of production elements on this album are the DJs Cook Chemist as well as Newmark, who are very influential or known more in the turntablist scenes uh, with more of a classic hip-hop production so- sound using a lot of turntablism. It was one of the things that drew me towards the group when I was watching the Scratch documentary, which featured the two uh, DJs mentioned as well as a live footage of Jurassic Five. And that kind of wanted me to made me want to check it out. And around about the 2002s, in terms of hip hop, you had uh, Jay Z come out with Blueprint. You had Eminem and Nas come out with good albums as well. But you also had the underground artists like Talib Kweli appear at the time as well as The Roots, and another interesting thing is 2002 to really like 2004, 2005 is when the southern sort of hip-hop scene started kicking off uh, with guys you probably know like Outkast, Ludacris, Kellis and Chingy. They sort of helped bring the southern hip-hop style to the front along with uh, sort of production by Pharrell as well as uh, Beyonce around that time was sort of bringing some rep for down south Anyway, we're going to go into the tracks now, and we start off with an opening instro, which starts out with some nice dub influences. Now, this is something that this album does, is it constantly refers to and tries to bring back <coughs> how early hip-hop sounded, whether it be through the use of breakbeats, uh, a lot of intentional uh, SP1 to go or use, and that sort of thing. It also opens with a Wheeler's sample and a Wheeler's vocal sample as well, so it helps bring and bridge that uh, hip-hop gap 
between its earlier days in well its early roots within the Jamaican dancehall sort of subculture uh, remember in the previous episode we talked about the translation between uh, the toaster and the MC and the DJ and the people who produced the rhythms or the dubs and then we're going to go into the track Freedom which is a simple drums with a shaker and a vocal sample on top to help add some groove with some good keys the track is about peace, love, unity, having fun, which was highly touted and highly uh, talked about by the Zulu Nation back in 1974, 79, eight, early 80s, that time when, remember, hits like Planet Rock came out, that sort of thing. So that sort of brings back the original elements of hip-hop, peace, love, unity, having fun, before it became a bit more commercialised. They also talk about the 13th Amendment and how it relates to police violence. And I'm going to go into the track uh, "If Only If You Only Knew," which starts out with a nice flute sample with a nice bit of piano, and the track is rooted within a constant theme on this album, which is discussing more lyrical content or image and gimmick and that sort of thing. So it's very much a rejection of the bling rap. Uh, of the time and it's about trying to be more humble and with less fakery so even if you do achieve goals and achieve what you need in the game is to be humble with it and not try and basically use it to create a false persona and like with lyrics such as if you only knew the trials and tribulations we've been through but if you only knew where real people hold me just like you so what I like about this is it kind of unifies the audience as one rather than putting themselves above it or on a stage to kind of bring you into that sort of fold so if you're listening to it you can use that to progress your own artistic career or artistic goals and then it also references throughout this track the SP1200 which is a very key piece of uh, technology in terms of the beat making development of hip hop with uh, guys like Marley Marl were very key users of the SP-1200, especially guys like Lord Finesse. Uh, I believe that sort of the Diggle in the Crates career where guys really did love to use the SP-1200 for the drums. Rather than the traditional rule in 808, that was popular at the time as well. It also talks about uh, people... It also talks about... Uh, People forgetting who they are and they think that they're a star but who you're fronting you ain't nothing because you were nothing to something and it also says that but something means nothing if your people are still wanting so it does bring up the fact that if you do become big you do get the money you do get the cash make sure to use your platform and use your environment to try and help people uplift themselves and not suffer the same issues you do so that's sort of a good way of talking about the cultural aspects of hip-hop at the time because it obviously went through the 80s and the 90s which of course there was the conscious element of that the daisy age stuff or the jazz rap stuff the like tripod quest deal or soul black sheep but it was also like the heavy gangster influences like dr dre snoop dogg and this is trying to sort of bring back a more of a older school community aspect of hip-hop to try and unify people together and then we're going to go on to the track which is called break 
the track starts with a heavy breakbeat influence bringing production sound back to the 70s and 80s so this one really isn't focused on like the 90s style of production but it really brings back a nice solid breakbeat style of the 70s and 80s with a, a a nice slow build to it but then it goes fast and slow to help build some sort of tension and sort of texture within the track with some nice good vocals however it does sort of go more into the braggadocio style rap of guys like you probably say like Dignity and the Crates crew back in the day uh, Cool Mo D would obviously be like that especially guys like Guru and then it also uses uh, a lot of flows which are very similar I will go and talk probably about Cool Mo D in this one because it does reference sort of flow styles that were popularized by Cool Mo D as part of the Treacherous Free if you uh, go back to them a uh, key element of that is of course the track New Rap Language and it also introduces some turntablism but then it brings up a reference to Busy B Starsky now Busy B Starsky is one of the first sort of individual MCs who was kind of going out and doing his own thing uh, it does borrow his name from Lovebug Starsky, however the Kumodi uh, Busy Beaks of Rap Battle is one of the main reasons why we have hip hop in the first place because Kumodi came out with that sort of new rap language flow whereas Busy B was more of a call and response MC back in the 70s and that's uh, a battle tape if you can check it out, I believe it's on YouTube, it's like in 1979 I'd like to say, uh, it's uh, the Union I think it might be Union Square or some sort of, but check out Cool D vs Busy B on YouTube. It'll give you a good breakdown of sort of the transforming and changing of the guard from the sort of call and response era to the more lyricism era, which would then go on to transform hip hop to what it is today. And then we're gonna look at the, it's uh, another feature of this album is there is certain like instrumental cuts with uh, React using space samples with more instrumental breaks, but it's more chilled out and funkified. So that's a way of just helping breaking down the album to more manageable chunks, but also to give you something to relax to when you're not trying to focus on lyrical content. And then we'll go into my favourite track of the LP, which is A Day at the Races. This features uh, Big Eye Kane and Percy P. And it's a simple backbeat with some bass samples thrown in there to add a bit of a chugga chugga, a bit of a rhythm line. Uh, possesses a similar sort of uh, aesthetic or idea of the posse cut. The key posse cut featuring guys on this album, such as Big Day Came, would be the symphony sort of cuts back in the day of the first ever Marley Mall In Control record. Uh, which featured guys like Master Ace, Cool G Rap and Craig Chi, I believe were the four main guys along with Big Guy Kane on that first soft cut. Uh, does reference the fact that a lot of the Jurassic 5 flow patterns do come from uh, Kumo D and Cool G Rap. This is again more of a braggadocio rap, however it does introduce the ideas of graph writing being a key part of hip hop. Hip -hop with more transformed scratches featured in 
and also BDK, Big Daddy Kane releases are put forth and more warm up Kane type vocal, vocal delivery. This also overall very good display of sort of that sort of style of hip hop on display. I go to track called Remember His Name, which is a very slow evolving beat, which uses uh, samples in a talking with the hands type of way. Talking with the hands is a sort of DJ technique where you can find different samples throughout records, just kind of do the chorus yourself free of those samples. DJ Career is a key pioneer of this sort of technique and it helps create a conversation about the track, about growth and growing up with a beautiful people beautiful people by by the side of you and with it's also a track about death which is interesting on this album because it helps bring a bit more realism to situations and then we're going to look at the uh what's goal which is a sort of a hip-hop project a protectivism uh, track to help bring back it to help bring back hip-hop to the 70s and 80s style and i think that may be because the artists in the time were probably more uh, grew up in that era, so maybe they wanted to be a bit more nostalgic of it, want to bring it back. But it's more an anti-gangsterism track, an anti-bling era track, with sort of lines, we're not bottling or shot calling. We take it back to the days of Yes Yawn, which shows them wanting to take it back to a more calm response, crowd unified type uh, aesthetic. With which would be popular, especially in like the block party era of hip hop, where you just have to get your stuff off tape traders or you have to take things off your power from the power lines and then plug it into your DJ sort of gear to sort of get the hip hop starting. So that's sort of a more of a retract, and then we go into a bit of something different, which is. Uh, features Nelly Furtado on the uh, on the track, which is uh, Thin Line, which is about about a track about developing relationships between friends and friendship groups, and how that can often lead to the ending of a friendship group if you overstep your lines or certain things happen. However, it does have if you are in wanting something that's a bit more R and B pop, uh, new soul sort of elements to it. This is one where you'd go to. And it's also a nice uh, appearance by Nelly, who does good vocal delivery on it. So there's also a track called DT, which it features Cool Keith of the Ultra Magnetic MCs, who is a really weird group because of their importance to sort of the different subgenres of hip hop, but also because it features Said G, who helped produce a lot of early Boogie Down Productions work. So it's an interesting appearance by Cool Keith on this one. And then one of them is a track about fakery and putting down women. Uh, so it's about basically uplifting women and not being one of these people who puts people down for no apparent reason. And then the closing track is a 6 minutes 31 sort of DJ hype track, flex intro track by the two uh, DJs on it, which is Newmark and uh, Cup, which is DJ Newmark. And just let's go flick back up here to check the notes. And yeah, so it does feature Cup Chemist and DJ Newmark on this one. It's just a basically a DJ hype track, but you'll probably have heard a couple of times you've listened to different sort of hip hop records over time, but it's really good to check it out. And then, so that was uh, the Strength in Numbers uh, album by, by 
Jurassic 5, which was released in 2002. Now I'm going to go on to talk about legendary uh, punk band Bad Religion with their album No Control. So very one of the only few bands of the early is sort of Cali punk scene, which is still around. A uh, heavy influence in early street punk, which would then go on to influence guys like No Effects, Alkaline Trio, and Lagwagon. Uh, around sort of this time in the punk scene, you'd have guys like Operation Ivy who would go on to sort of kickstart the ska punk sort of phase. However, I'd say a lot of early special stuff could definitely include be including that, as well as guys like Judge and Gorilla Biscuits. Gorilla Biscuits are mostly known for their album going around this time, which is called Start of the Day, which is by a very PMA straight edge uplifting album. And then you also have around this time groups like Terrorizer, Napalm Death and Siege would be out and about which would cause the early grindcore scene to uh, basically appear. And now we've got to look at some of the tracks, which starts with Change of Ideas, which is more of a standardised punk beat with some nice guitar, but it also has a nice uh, sort of Dick Dale surf rock groove to it. And it's talking about progressing from traditions and nostalgia. So it's about basically looking at what happens, what's happened, how can we improve it, and how we need to change ideas and move forward. This is also then sort of given extra legs on the next track, which is Big Bang, which is more speed and progression with some good instrumental breaks about the atomic war. And then we sort of go uh, with a bit of a different sort of approach, which is uh, No Control, which is more of a lockstep style beat with some slight gang vocals added. Gang vocals, of course, would then uh, permeate into sort of their punk from here on out, uh, very key in sort of pop punk uh, albums, uh, with a digitizer on the vocals at times, and it's a lot more modernish sounding in terms of using a bit more of a stereo field, I'd say. Then we'll go into the track Sometimes I Feel Like, which is more of a Dead Kennedys esque uh, sort of track with drums and wire effects used, so it's a bit more of a sonic texture to it with some solo work interspersed there on the guitar. And we look at the track uh, Atomic Automatic Man, which is a parody track of crying modern superhero films used with gang vocals, which adds some sort of sound effects and textures. It's also rebuking the idea of propaganda. His opinions are determined by the, these are lyrics by the way, his opinions are determined by the status quo, a true creature habit, he smokes three packs a day, when he has an original thought, he forgets it right away. His paradigm of carefree living. So this is sort of uh, attacking the sort of the Republicans at the time in a roundabout way. If he was free of the lens of the sort of superhero films of the time, and then we have a more of a traditional. The next one is called "I Want to Conquer a World," which is a more of a traditional rock song, uh, which features. It's one of my favorites of the LP because it would be the first one I heard on the LP. I do believe. And it's basically the cries, the, well, religion, also science in the fact that both of them believe that they can be a true way of basically solving everything. Whereas, hey, man of science, with your perfect rules and measure, can you prove this place with the data that you gather? It's basically saying that 
Yes, you may collect all this data and all this science, but unless you're applying it in a positive way or a place where to uplift people, then you're just constantly being obvious in what the religious people have done to put people down. And it also says, hey, moral soldier, you've got righteous proclamations and precious precious stones to fill your public configurations. So it's basically saying that, yes, you do have all of these sort of religious teachings and everything, but unless you're doing it to uplift people, then it's just as bad as the scientists who are, you are trying to attack and rebuke and call sinful. So it's about maybe being less dogmatic in reasoning and uplifting each other. And then we go and look at the track, which is called Sanity. It's more of an 80s metal type approach with some UK street punk influences. And it does feature some sonic textures to it, which is an interesting different thing throughout the album, because the album does sort of, it's very 1999 punk oriented, but it's nice to show up, show up and do some sort of different things. And then we have a lighter, more higher vocal guitar with more emphasis on speed on the track Henchman. So that has been the album's, uh, I'll just have a look there, yeah. Uh, no Control by Bad Religion in 1989, which was a sort of early sort of looking into what hardcore punk could be uh released around about the times of judge operation ivy along with a grindcore scene and neither looked at powers in numbers by jurassic five which is 2002 which was based around the time of jay-z nars and talib Kweli coming out but at the start of the southern uprising in terms of hip-hop so it was interesting time especially back then around the southern scene coming up because it really was the vibe trying west coast and east coast and this has been the sound pub podcast episode three with the intent to bring hip-hop metal and punk fans together highlight classics and hidden gems of the genres bring to the front new and underground eyes expand music tastes and provide a nice bit of escapism now i'm going to highlight a few uh, quick bands just before we wrap this episode up uh, I'll just put it up here and if we have a look we're going to highlight the, the local band from Australia which is uh, Vandalum BC which is a Perth band from the 90s who sort of helped kickstart the Perth local scene and are quite well known for their live shows that was provided by uh, Latchland, and then I want to highlight a spectrum of sound on Bandcamp, uh, which is sort of a nice tradition, which is a hip hop collaborative, which has plenty of records on SoundCloud to check out. Uh, quite a good hip hop act if you want something modern to follow, but they do have sort of couchings in sort of old school hip hop with some sort of space elements to them but i'd recommend checking out spectrum of sound as well so this has been the sound for podcast have a great day have a great week have a great year hope you get to go and see your family hope you see some gigs and generally enjoy yourself